0: A series that I've been preaching. is called the Pastoral Letters. So we've been covering 1st uh, and 2nd Timothy and Titus. And um, last week, the Lord just flipped up the script on us. He made it abundantly clear um, that he wanted me to deviate from, um, from the series and to preach on forgiveness. And so that's what I did last week. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage us with this. Although we have our plans, although we have our ways, although we have the things that we want to do uh, church, we always have to be a people that are yielded to God in His way, and, and we can 't be so structured that we uh, we have a rigidness to us where that we won 't bend to his spirit and so um, I think that last week was just uh, a testimony of how we 're supposed to live our lives that yes it 's good to have our plans and it 's good to have you know our ducks in a row, but every now and then you 've got to play duck duck goose and go around the ducks and and I don't know. (laughs) So, but you know what I'm saying. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to cover the whole chapter today. So let's go ahead and jump right in with verse 1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead can stop right there. Wow. Hypocrites and liars. Doesn't that seem a bit intense, you know, to describe the people that have been deceived? The people that have been deceived by false teaching, by false doctrine, by demonic doctrine, and that have turned away. He he calls, he's not speaking of the deceivers at that point. He says, those who have known the true faith and... Have walked away. They're liars and they're hypocrites. That word hypocrite is translated as an actor on the stage, somebody just going through the motion, motions, an acting player. The Greek word for liar is pseudo logos. Pseudo. A false speaker, one who brings false words, a liar. Somebody putting on a mask and putting on a show. Why does Paul refer to these people as liars and hypocrites? Because when we have experienced God, we have experienced His love. We have experienced His power, His grace, His abundance, His life. When we've experienced the true faith and we walk away then our life becomes a lie. Our our life becomes a lie. We're no longer being true to who we are. Well, who are we? Well, once we've known Christ, we are free. We are redeemed. We are healed. We experience truth. We experience freedom. And so Paul's making a statement here, a bold statement, that your life is a sham. If you've experienced that and you walk away, your life is a lie. You're wearing a mask. Uh, My friends, it's my experience that that mask, when people walk away, oftentimes it it comes in the form of some of the things we discussed last week, unforgiveness. It comes in harshness and bitterness and and just an assault against God's people. Somebody who has been in church and then kind of walks away, um, they're most often not content just to sit there and go, well, God, you know, hey, hey, something bless you, you know, have a good time. You know, their life becomes all about assaulting the church. Um, so here 's what I want to encourage us with um, the truth is the truth, and he brings freedom, and we have people in our lives who fit this description, but we need to be faithful in praying for those people and proclaiming god 's love and his faith and his goodness and pointing them to Jesus and you know what if they if they point up a, a pastor or a church or leaders that have heard them, just hey I, I apologize i 'm sorry. You know, I, I'm sorry that you've been hurt, but it wasn't Jesus that hurt you. It, it was a flawed man, it was a flawed leader. it was flawed individuals. So let us be a people that remember the truth is the truth. we don't have to you know we don't have to sell people on anything, but we do have to point them to Jesus. In these beginning verses, we see that God is glorified when we live and follow wise guidance. Let's pick up in verse three. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. Has anybody ever eaten a meal with me before and and heard me pray and bless the food? You know, when I bless the food, this is what I pray. Lord, I thank you for this food. And I give you thanks. I'll give them thanks for whatever's on my heart to give thanks. But it's also dependent upon how hungry I am. Because sometimes I'll just give thanks for like one or two things if I'm really hungry. If I'm not so hungry, maybe four or five. I don't know. But I'll give thanks to the Lord. And then I'll say, Lord, we thank you for this food. We sanctify it with the word of God in prayer. This is where we get that from. In case you've ever wondered, what an interesting prayer Mark prays. Why does he do that? It's found right here in verse 5. We'll jump back in. Actually, before we jump back in, what do we see here? We see that God can be glorified when what happens? When we get our grub on. All right. So this one's for all the the fitness freaks out there. Um, uh, Jump into verse 6. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teachings you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Let me take a moment and just remind you real quick that godly training, uh, leadership training, it starts this Friday night at my house, 7 o'clock. Would love to have you there. Jump back into verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle or continue to fight for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. I I love when I'm reading the word, and it reminds me that He's the living God. I love that. That's something that we can't just declare to ourselves and to others enough. He is alive. He is alive. There's no burial site where we can go and find Jesus. We, there's a hole. There's an open tomb, but he's not in there. He's alive. The six verses that we just read show us that God is glorified in our godliness. When we pursue a godly life and our life just exudes godliness, we look like him. We talked about that last week. We look like him. We sound like him. We act like him. People are drawn to us. Why? Because they're being drawn to him. We point them to Jesus. He is glorified in our godliness. The next one is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's one that I encourage everybody, if you don't have it memorized, memorize it. Verse 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, And your purity. I love that. You know, uh, as a church, we're young. We're considered young. We're less than three years old. Um, We're young. But, you know, we don't have to to feel like we have to make apologies for for being small or for being young. Or for, for having certain limitations that come with being a young church. We can be proud because the full strength Jesus lives here. The full strength Holy Spirit moves in this place. And and we operate in everything we do with the full passion of that God. So it says, be an example to all believers in what you say. I love this. That word example, the Greek word is typos. And and before before I expound upon that, I just want to encourage you guys. When you're studying the word, there are so many wonderful Aids. If you if you have a, a big strong concordance and you want to flip through that, that's awesome. But if you don't, you know, and you have a laptop or a computer or an iPad or, you know, go on the internet. Go to uh, blueletterbible.org or go to biblecc.com. And when you look up a verse, you can look up the, the translation. What is the original Greek of this New Testament passage? What is the original Hebrew of this Old Testament passage? That's how we study. That's how we study to show ourselves approved. I, I say it all the time, but it's not literature. We're not just supposed to gain a bunch of ground. Well, I'm going to read three chapters before I go to bed. No, just I'm going to spend time with God before I go to bed. And if I don't get past one verse, then man, that's going to be one heck of a verse, huh? You know, so just be with God. So um, looking up the words, it says, be an example. That word example is typos. And it means this. The mark of a stroke or blow. A figure formed by a blow or impression. The mark of a blow or an impression. It's the same word that was used in John chapter 20, verse 25. I'm reading from the New King James. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he, this is Thomas, said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print or imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the imprint of the nails, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. It's the same word, the imprint that thing that remains after you've been with Jesus. We are to be the impression of Jesus. We are to be the imprint of Jesus. And, and then it says right here, what, in what ways? In what we say, in the way we live, in our love for our brothers, in our faith, and in our purity. I love this passage. Memorize it. 1 Timothy 4.12. But keep in mind, the way that we live that godly life that, that we don't have to worry about anyone looking upon us is if our life reflects Jesus. If our life is the imprint of having been with Jesus. Isn't that a great... Just I love that. God is glorified... In our godlike imprint and impression, both in how we look like Him and our imprint and impression upon others. Is anybody picking up on on my theme here? I'm rhyming. I have the G's, the G theme. I'm pulling a little MC Dr. Seuss out out of here, you know, and tend to, to do a little one one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, but uh. Yeah, my alliteration, it's groovy and great. Let's go. jeez. God is glorified when I'm an old G. There we go. Verse 13. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. This is verse 13. What does this show us? God is glorified in our gatherings. I'm sure you all know why I love this. Because this is what I get to stand up here and do every week. Focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Encouraging the believers. And teaching them. That right there, that's my job description. Uh, Love that. Verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. What does this show us that God is glorified in? God is glorified when we use our gifts. God is glorified when we walk in our gifts. My friends, do not take lightly using those unmerited, undeserved gifts that God gives us. Don't take lightly the giving of those and the responsibility we have to walk in those and to use those, those things that the Holy Spirit has given us. Highly skilled and talented athletes lose their abilities if their muscles aren't toned by constant use. I wish I had, you know, I have a picture of when I played college football and I, I thought about like putting it up on the screen right now just to really drive home this point and be like, see, not using, you know, not doing the exercising. And then that young guy who looks really strong. But, you know, I didn't want to do that because I'd cry. And you'd be there to comfort me. But but I, I wouldn't necessarily work out and do anything about it. But, you know, I would feel bad for a brief little bit until I ate dinner, I guess. So I'm just kidding. I work out a little... Oh, praise the Lord. Our talents improve when they are exercised. Our talents improve when they are exercised. And if we don't exercise them, my friends, they, go, they either go away or they're taken from us. Well, who takes them? God. And gives them to someone else who will use them. They will go away. They will be diminished. We'll forget how to use them. We'll no longer have the confidence to flow in them because we haven't walked in them. So the challenge that that I'm issuing right now, walk in those strengths. Walk in those giftings. Walk in those things that God has given you and use them. Use them. If you don't know what they are, you know what? We can find out what they are. They're probably pretty readily evident to the people that are around you what those giftings are. So if you don't know what your giftings are, hey, I just don't know what the Holy Spirit's given me. Hey, we'll we'll have a little powwow and we'll just say we'll just kind of point out the obvious ones because they are obvious because we get to see your life, your love, the things you flow in. You know, we all have blind spots. We all have things that we don't see in our lives. So that's one of the great things about being a church is being able to come together and go. All right, I need to be encouraged. What are my giftings? well I don't know all of them but I tell you the obvious ones boom 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 and and I guarantee anyone in this place would would do that it doesn't just have to be the pastors you know we are his body so what gifts and abilities has God given you use them in regularly serving God and serving others so how do we use those gifts and abilities that God has given us Second Timothy 1, chapter 6 and 7 says this. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So how are we to use those gifts? We are to use our God-given gifts Fearlessly. Fearlessly. With power. With love. With a sound mind. That's how we're to do those gifts. How we're to use those gifts. Verse 15. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. This verse shows us what. Shows us that God is glorified in our growth. God is glorified in our growth. Now I, I want to make something clear here. Um, there's there's a, a, a very traditional religious way of thinking that says that that everything you do must be done privately, otherwise it doesn't glorify God. So, you know, and they use the example of prayer. Well, you know, the Bible says that, you know, you shouldn't, you know, pray for, you know, for everyone to hear you. And the the Bible says that uh, when you fast, you know, you're not supposed to tell people you're fasting, you know, otherwise you've lost your reward. Well, and those things are true. But we're to look at those things in context. Jesus prayed in public all the time. We see more examples of Jesus praying in public than we do Him praying in private. But what it also says is that He would get away and pray in private. And apparently the disciples knew about it because they wrote about it, right? God is glorified when we grow. Now, what's the motive of our heart? We are not to have the motivation to be seen. That is not... We are not to... I'm going to pray real loud and very eloquent because... I want to be hurt and I want to be seen. That is wrong. That is wrong. That is not what we're supposed to do. I mean, I went to a Christian college. So I know what I'm talking about. Because, you, I mean, if you, anyone ever got into a prayer contest? You know, you prayed and you're like, man, that was a good prayer. Man, boom! Nailed that prayer. Nailed it. And then the next person's like, and El Shaddai, Elohim, the Lord of all things, majestic and glorious, we beseech you with all beseeching powers. And, 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 then it's like, man, I just got, they just rocked my prayer. That's alright though, cause I got second win, baby. I'm gonna come back with another prayer. Boom! <laughs> or, you know, like we do that sometimes with like testimonies, like, and once again, Christian college, woo woo! Um. testimony contests. What's your testimony, brother? And then my brother shares this awesome testimony, and it's like, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. Pshh. Let me tell you my testimony. I was in the jungle. You know, And then they go into this thing and you're like, oh man, no, my testimony is like... Our motives are not supposed to be to be seen. We want Jesus to be seen. But my friends, we are not supposed to live our lives in a closet. We're not supposed to live our lives where that he doesn't receive glory because of our growth. Uh, you know, Hawk's a great example. God is glorified because of his growth. People that haven't seen him in a year and they're like, Brother, you're a different man. What happened? He's like, Jesus. God is glorified because of growth. So my friends, we are supposed to grow. We, we do need to be growing. We need to put childish ways behind us. Paul said that when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. We are supposed to grow up in the Lord and put childish ways behind us we are supposed to live our lives full of godliness so that he is glorified but we need, we need to be out where that people can see the change in our lives because he receives glory in our growth God wants people to see the work he has done in our lives so we've come to the end of chapter 4. We have one verse left. First Timothy 4.16 Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. God is glorified... When we guard our hearts. Guard our minds. Guard our lives. But also when we guard the lives of others. This passage makes it very clear that we're not just to be consumed with our own lives. But the lives of others. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation. And the salvation of those who hear you. Just as I said, God receives glory with our growth. We represent him and they know it. People outside these doors. The people that we've proclaimed Jesus to. They know who we're there for. They know who we represent. So let's represent him well. We we bear his mark. We've been impacted by him. And we bear his mark and we look like him and we live like him. My friends, let let this be a word of freedom. We're not meant to be perfect, we're just meant to be real. What's the challenge at the beginning of this chapter? Don't be like those people that put on the masks and that are up there just acting. They're living a false life. Don't be like them. You know what? You know what glorifies God? We're out there in the workplace and we have a moment of genuine junk. Could be something happened and we just dropped a load of words. Filth Florence, summon, summon, filth. Now that doesn't glorify God. But what what do we do after that? Hey man, I just I just want to apologize to you. Uh, I kinda of lost lost my temper there. Uh, I just want to say I'm sorry. But well, dude, don't worry about it. Those words happen all the time here. No, I know, but but I'm I'm a Christian and And I want my life to glorify Jesus. And I just—I don't think those words glorify Jesus. So I just wanted to let you know I'm sorry. I told him uh, that I was sorry. He said, I forgive you. So I just wanted to make sure that you and I were good. Boom. We don't got to be perfect. We just got to be real. Sister, I I snapped at you. I I apologize. Friends, family, you know. Our lives are to be all about Jesus. And everything we do, that's why I love this chapter, everything we do has the potential to bring glory to God. Everything we do. You know, there are no small tasks for the king. There are no small tasks we do for the king. Because he's the king. And there's nothing small about him. So in our service to him, everything we do matters hmm. you know I felt like the Lord you know had a theme going in just about us being with him and having fun I want to encourage you guys spending time in his words I mean it is fun I mean I think it's fun we should think it's fun. We get to be with Jesus. He gets to show us cool things. I mean, I'm telling you, I didn't know going into this message, and I knew I liked First uh, uh, Timothy four twelve. Do not let others look down upon you for your age, for your youth, but that hold the imprint, the impression, that word typos, example. You know, I didn't know that. I got that through studying His Word. So believers, study His Word. This is one chapter. Now it's very rare, you know this, it's very rare that I preach a whole chapter. This is only 16 verses, so it's a pretty short one. But we don't have to cover a lot of ground in our time with the Lord. We just have to make it good time. It's got to be thoughtful time. He's got to have our full attention. Tomorrow, if you really want to watch the Broncos-Steelers game, then don't try and squeeze in some Bible time while watching the game. Enjoy yourself watching the game. Have fun. Hoop, holler, woo! Cry, do whatever. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. But you know, you know, have an appropriate response. When you spend time with Jesus, give Him your full attention. Give Him your full time just as much.